I'm Tiffany. And I'm Lindsay. And this is Luminol Cocktail. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? So professional. It's like when you're writing a letter to your friends <laughs> as a kid. Hi, how are you? I am fine. Today at school. You didn't ask, but it's all right. <laughs> right. And now. I assume you will. <laughs> I am, I'm assuming you want to know how I am. When I was a kid, my friend Molly and I, she lived in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so we would just mail letters back and forth also because this is like the time where we had one phone in the house and it was Mm -hmm. a landline. Since she was in North Carolina, it was long distance. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have that free long distance, but she did. So I would have to call her. We would have to get like a long distance minutes calling card. Uh So I'd have to call her. And then I'd be like, can you call me right back since you have free long distance? And then I'd have to hang up, and then she would call me back. It was quite the process. It was. So we wrote a lot of letters, because sometimes I would forget to ask her to call me back, and then I would just talk to her using the long distance calling card, Mm -hmm. and then I would use all the minutes on it. Oh, no. And then nobody else could make any long distance calls until we got a new calling card. I would get in a lot of trouble. Someone would be like, no phone calls this week. You just have to write letters, kid. So that's what I did. Uh, I wrote and passed a lot of notes. Cool. Yeah, not letters. I mean, the intent is still there. Yeah, me and my friend in middle school came up with our own alphabet so we could write really? secret notes. Ooh. Yeah. Do you know what it was? You know when you change your keyboard to just symbols? Yeah. We just memorized those. Oh my god. <laughs> No, thank you. Too many steps. Yeah, I, we did that all throughout my, like, stupid math class because it was, I mean, oh my god. It was, like, colored by number math. Like, it was, like, one plus one equals what? Jesus. Now color in all of those with this color. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, so I just pass notes and be like, I don't need this. Joke's on me. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. Here we are. When I got to statistics. <laughs> statistics isn't really math anyways. I hate that it's listed as a math class because I remember when I was going to take my first statistics class, Mm -hmm. my teacher, his name was Dave, because I took that through Trident. Sorry, just Dave the teacher? I mean, Dave Meller, but you can call him Dave. Oh, right. I forgot because professors are different. I've never actually had an in-person experience. (laughs) No, he was the best math teacher. And he was like, we're going to use calculators for everything in this class. Because, let's be honest, you will never be in a position in your life where you don't have a Thank calculator Thank you, available. Professor Dave. <laughs> exactly. He was fucking great. He drove a Saab and wore parachute pants. <laughs> also, it always bugged me because statistics is run on a fucking program. Exactly. Well, that was his thing. Also, he was like... Teach me how to use the program. <laughs> that was his thing. He was like, listen, there are three main people who are like in charge of statistics. Not really. But like, there are three main people who are considered leaders on that topic and they are often the most commonly cited sources and province stats textbooks things like that he was like yeah i went to school with this guy whatever the fuck his name was so one of those three guys Mm -hmm. and i was like damn and now he's that and you are teaching at trident i am sorry dave but he was like honestly he's terrible at math he's like probability and statistics is not real math. You don't have to be good at math. You're using a calculator for everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you what buttons to push. That's why we're here. Perfect. I don't think I have another math class, actually. Damn. If you did, I would just tell you, just find one that Dave's teaching and see if it transfers. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't think I have any. I think it's all just development and psychology. And nice. No, no math. Fair enough. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I actually finished my class uh, next week. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And then you get a break? Yeah, three weeks. That's nice. And then I'm back and I take two classes. Mm. Yeah, they won't let me take more than whatever they decide because it's yeah. their master's. Definitely could handle more. Kind of bored. When I was in tech school, because I did it all, like, online, they were like, yeah, you." there were a lot of classes that were, like, needed to be taken sequentially. Mm-hmm. But I would be like, cool, well, can I just take them at the same time? Because I pretty much have a basis of knowledge. At that point, I had already been in the field for, like, five years. Yeah, you had, like, some personal experience. And, like, one of them specifically, like, I got real heated. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Because one of them was large animal clinical practices Mm -hmm. or something like that. Basically, what you do when you're working with large animals. And I was like, guys, my entire experience, except for like the last year, is large animal. I got this shit. And then I wanted to take like whatever other one. And they're like, well, that's actually a tier three course. And you have one more tier two course. And you need to take that first. And I was like, number one. These classes have nothing to do with each other. (laughs) This is like pharmacology or it was like a small animal nursing or something. And this is large animal. So number one, there is no fucking overlap at all. Yeah. Number two, this is like what I'm experienced in. So I'm super comfortable with this subject. And number three, if you don't let me do it, then that means this semester I only take one class and I'm not going to graduate when I want to. And they were like, "Mm, so sorry. And I was like, oh, fuck no. And I like wrote a very strongly worded email to the head of the department. Perfect. And I was like, here are like screenshots of my communications with like the registrar's office, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, yeah, I don't care. You can take whatever you want. Whatever. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he just said that so I would like stop being annoying. Right. But I don't care. I still got what you wanted. I got what I wanted and I graduated when I wanted. So haha, fuck you guys. Yeah, right now I'm projected to graduate in March of 2023. Nice. Yeah. So it's really not that. That is not that far. far. Yeah. And I actually don't, I get my two residencies done over the summer and the beginning of fall. Nice. I'm kind of excited for those, but not really just because it's expensive. Right. And I have to take a class. So it's like at the, at whatever point I can afford to go. Cause they have like three different places you can go to throughout the course. I don't know if I need to like finish the course cause I'm not there yet. Yeah. And they haven't actually said like where those are going to be. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm excited to see that. I get to go to Orlando for one, and hopefully by that point, there will be less concerns about COVID, and so me and whoever wants to go with can go enjoy Orlando. (laughs) Well, I can't go to Disney World because I will be in class from like 8 to 5. I can go at night (laughs) and do a few things. I'll go during the day. Yeah, that's fine. Get tired. And then you just meet me at night, (laughs) and then we'll just do some stuff. While the park's still open. Perfect. I just like the food. I mean, I like the rides too, but food. I could just take the food. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm super excited we're going on. Well, I'm going on a Disney trip in like three weeks, question mark? Something like that. It's just kind of like a last minute, some girls from work, basically. And I are going to Epcot for the day. And I'm super hyped because one of them is super into Disney. And she is like, I'm going to embarrass you guys. And I was like, it's not possible to embarrass me (laughs) at Disney World. I'm going to embarrass you. You don't know what's about to happen. There you go. And then the other girl hasn't been since she was a kid. So she's like, I really don't know what to expect. I don't know what's going on. She's like, I don't even know that I've ever actually been to Epcot. And I was like, cool. We're going to get hammered and ride some rides and smell some flowers. Perfect. Speaking of that, I need to put Zyrtec on my packing list because <laughs> I will fucking forget. And Epcot kicks my ass. Alex said we can go to Epcot again for my birthday. Woo! Because that's usually when the Food and Wine Festival is. I like if I can promise eight him dollars eight steaks, he'll, he'll go. He'll go anywhere. True. I just gotta keep reminding him of those eight dollar fillets. Uh-huh. He's there. <laughs> so <laughs> like yes. Uh, also, by then, like COVID will be. I'm hoping. By that point, vaccines will be more widely available. Right. Yeah, but some people aren't getting them. That's, that's like, the other big concern. True. That's, then it's like, okay, our vaccines work at protect. It's like the flu. I mean, like, you can still get the flu even if you get the vaccine. Well, from what I've been reading, it prevents you from getting COVID. Mm-hmm. It just, you could still be a carrier of the virus. Right. So it's... If someone, if you give it to someone who doesn't get the vaccine because they're being stupid, then... Right. Well, Well, it's kind of like I was thinking about it. We were talking about it because I was like, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Whatever. But I'm kind of like that just means that if I want to go somewhere after because I just got my second vaccine on Wednesday. So I my series is completed now. It's kind of like, okay, so I basically just need to be like, all right, for two weeks, if there's any like a week or whatever the incubation period is, I think it's only a week, actually. I have to double check. But for however many days afterwards, I just need to be careful about who I go around. And that's it. Yeah. Also, it just doesn't help eradicate the disease, which I don't understand why people wouldn't want to do. 
do you want to do this every year? Do you want right. to do this every year? Do you want year? to keep wearing a mask? Because you really don't. Every so. day, because everybody's bitching about doing it, but here we have options to not have to do it, and nobody fucking wants to do it. Yeah. And also other countries are like, fine, like, they've all had the vaccine, they get to go back to normal. I get so salty whenever I see, like, pictures or videos or whatever from other countries. Fucking New Zealand. Even Australia. Oh, yeah, that one too. Like, and they're just, like, up in the club, and I'm like, fuck you all. I want to live my life. These are the hottest years of my life, and I am wasting them behind a mask. Yeah, so... That's my hot take for the week. Yeah, honestly, same. <laughs> I can do your part to eradicate the disease so we can all right. go back to being assholes to each other in public. Exactly. Jesus. I just want to be able to go to a restaurant and get drunk. That's all I want. Anyways. <laughs> uh, want to take a break? Let's take a break. Okay. Let's calm down for a minute. <laughs> On to the case file and this week's topic, which is double lives. Mm-hmm. I always get so concerned when you're looking at me and I'm like, yes, this is the topic. And I just have to say it confidently. <laughs> one day I'm going to fuck it up. You have access to I the I know, sheet. but I'm still going to fuck it up one day. <laughs> it's like I am both co-host and also producer. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I'm like, nope, not topic. <laughs> nope, nope, Cut. Cut. We gotta start from the beginning. Yes, and the lovely drink we have is called Double Vision. It's a little tart. It's supposed to be. Okay, good. So in the in the recipe, it's supposed to have blackcurrant vodka. That doesn't exist in my world, apparently. So I replaced it with raspberry, but all the flavor profiles are very similar to raspberry being very tart. I like this a lot. Yay! It's kind of like... Like, you know those powdered Smarties? Not the Smarties. Um, Pixie sticks? No, the oh. sour ones. Sweet tarts? Oh, sweet yes, tarts. Yes, yes. That's what this tastes like. This tastes like a sweet tart. It tastes like a lemonade sweet tart or a lemonade berry sweet tart something. That's interesting because there's no lemon in that. I don't know. Dude. There's lime, apple juice, raspberry, and just regular vodka. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I like it. It's, a, it's supposed to be tart. It's good. I like this. Maybe it's the lime and apple juice combination. Maybe. I think it's just everything together. And I'm getting It that, smelled really good. But I'm, I'm getting that hit of citrus. It's very fresh. Yeah. At the bar that I serve at, this drink would cost about $15, mm-hmm. I said. <laughs> you also get to read the quote. Ooh. So let me just... Do nothing secretly, for time sees and hears all things and discloses all. Sophocles? Perfect. I'm going to go first this week. Woo! Um, Our energy's so much better in the daytime. It's so much better in the daytime. (laughs) Ian was like, yeah, I just, I hate having to record because he, um, he creates content. And he's like, I hate... He's got a lot of content now. Yeah. I saw how many episodes he has. Like, whoa. Yeah, he's... Well, because he makes one for every game. Does he take notes? Yes. Oh, very professional. Really? He can't even enjoy the game anymore. Exactly. <laughs> well, it also it's was hot, like... by the way. Before, he could, like... Um, he could skip games. If yeah. he had something else he wanted to do more. And he's like, I literally can't skip a game. Because mm-hmm. I don't have a way to rewatch it. Ooh. And oh, And yeah. so... Especially if it's, like, on Nessun or something like that. He's like, I can see it when it's on. And that's it. Well, he's got a lot of content. He do. But, but so, he's like, yeah. I hate recording at night after work because that's what he has to do a lot of times mm-hmm. to make sure he's producing, like I said, a video per hockey game. And, and there are some games they play three games a week. Also, the, some of the intros to his videos take a lot of work. They do. Like, I was watching one and I, I know that took a lot of work to film it. Like, write it out, edit it also, stitch it all together, and then make it actually, like, usable. Yeah. So it takes a little time. It is. And he's like, this is just, I have no energy at the end of the day. And I was like, yeah, that's why Lindsay and I record on the weekends during the day, because we are different people. Not too early, because then we can't drink. No. Well, so there's just, like, there's a sweet spot where I'm, like, my best self. And it's from, like, 1 p.m. to, like, 6.30 p.m. Okay, good. That's my space where I have, like, energy to create things. Anything before that, I want to be in bed. Anything after that, I just want to be dicking around. That's fair. I have the best creating energy late at night. Really? Yeah. Interesting. 
If I need to come up with ideas for the podcast or anything, that's at like 2 a.m. Yeah. Best ideas. I just have a lot of energy in the daytime. (laughs) If I have a lot of creativity I need to get out, I usually wake up super early. Like, especially whenever I was first getting stuff together for my business. Like, I would just wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning because I'd have so many ideas. And I'd be like, I just need to write this all down before I go to work because I'm going to forget. No. All right. So I'll go ahead and dive in on mine, which was surprisingly hard to find a good double life story that I wanted to cover because there are a lot of killers who are like, I'm living a double life. I'm a serial killer by day. Or ones that... And a family man by night. Yeah, which is pretty generic. Or ones that have enough details that you can actually right. cover in, you know... Exactly. Link. But this one I found and I was like, oh yes, you will work quite nicely. This is the story of Richard Hoagland. Richard and Linda Hoagland built a stable life in Indianapolis, Indiana. Richard had a previous marriage that had ended in divorce, but when he met Linda in the 80s, he was given the opportunity just to have a fresh start with her, build a new life. It was going to be good shit. They had two sons together, Douglas and Matthew, and Richard got a job at a local insurance company and did very, very well financially. They had a huge five-bedroom house, And Richard always wore, like, designer suits for his business, Mm -hmm. so he would look all official and put together and, like, he had dollars, which he did. In their free time, they would use the boat that they owned and docked at a nearby lake to just, you know, do white people shit. (laughs) Um, And one of Linda's favorite things that they would do in their free time was take spontaneous trips to exotic locations. Wish I could do that in my free time. Yeah, it happened fairly frequently for them, too. They would just be like, we're going to go on vacation, and we're going to go to this place and stay at this resort and just be fancy and rich, which... I hate rich people. Give me that life. Damn it. Until I'm one of them. <laughs> then I won't hate them anymore. No, I'll probably you probably would. I probably will still hate yeah. rich people, but I'll enjoy that you'll, I'm You'll rich. be able to fake it better. Exactly. Richard was known for being spontaneous, and you could never quite guess what fun plan he was going to come up with next. It was one of Linda's favorite things about him actually she said she loved that you know it could just be like a normal tuesday and he'd be like hey let's just leave tomorrow and go do x y and z and just go have this whole ass adventure and she'd be like cool let's do it so when he called linda on february 10th 1993 at around 4 45 and told her he wasn't feeling well and that he'd be gone by the time she got home from her son's daycare She wasn't sure what he meant. Mm -hmm. She asked him to wait on her if he didn't feel well and said she'd drive him to the doctor. He declined saying, no, I don't have time to wait. She got home and was super pissed off because he had been home with their other son. So her son was just left there without anybody watching him. And she didn't hear any more from him that afternoon. So she obviously got worried that something serious had happened to him. So she called all the local hospitals trying to find him. Each one of the hospitals informed her that they did not currently have a patient by his name. So she became more concerned. And honestly, Linda was confused, just wondering what was going on. When she looked around the house, she realized he hadn't packed any clothes and his toothbrush was still in the holder. It was February. He hadn't even taken a coat with him. So she wasn't sure, like, what the fuck was happening. She realized he must just be having, like, one of his moments of spontaneity and he'd be back soon. Maybe he just thought of an idea that was going to be really good. He was going to be right back. Whatever. And she tried to talk herself into staying calm until 5.40 p.m. when Richard called her to tell her that he couldn't live his life anymore and felt like his family would be better off without him. Linda went into a panic which only worsened when police discovered Richard's van abandoned at the local airport. When they checked flight logs, there was no evidence of him having left out on any flights. And when she checked back at home, Linda also discovered he had left his passport behind. So she was concerned that something terrible had happened to him, that he had Mm -hmm. hurt himself, something, until she noticed he had taken a huge amount of money from their bank account. Hmm. Any fears that Richard had hurt himself or had been hurt were taken away later that month when Linda received a phone call from him talking to her about why he'd made the decision to leave. 
He never had a real concrete answer aside from him just not being able to handle their life anymore. She had no idea what the real issue was because as far as she knew, everything had been going along just fine as usual as it had been going on for years and years. Mm -hmm. Richard actually ended up phoning Linda several times that month, but never actually gave her any more information. Based on what I saw reported about those calls, they really seemed more like an opportunity for him to try to ease his guilt over ducking out on his family. Oh, and she checked her phone records. It showed some of the calls had originated in Aruba and others had originated in Venezuela. Hmm. Again, Linda and her sons got no real other leads. Doug got a single birthday card from his father saying maybe they'd see each other sometime, telling him that he was a super boy and to mind his mother. Again, to me, it just kind of seems like another place and time for him to excuse himself from the guilt that Mm -hmm. he had over abandoning them. That was the last they heard from him. After 10 years, Richard was formally declared dead. His family was assuming that the birthday card would, of course, be the last they heard. Everything changed when they got a call in July of 2016. Now, it wasn't a call from Richard, but rather a call from a police officer in Florida asking if she knew who Richard Hoagland was. She explained that he was her ex-husband, but that he'd been declared dead years and years ago and that she had never heard anything else beyond that card. The investigator then dropped the bombshell that Richard Hoagland was alive and that they had him in custody. So let's backtrack for a minute to focus on Richard's side of things when he left. He did leave town and took some less than reputable methods of transportation to get him out of the country without a trace that the police could track. Richard spent about a year in South America before sneaking back into the States. He slipped into Florida as people do when they're coming back illegally from South America. Okay. (laughs) I just feel like that's everything, like, whenever it's like, oh, this bad guy, he left here, he went to Cuba, and he snuck back in through the Everglades. That's a risky place. I mean, yeah, but that's why they do it. Yeah. High risk, high reward. Exactly. (laughs) There's wild boar out there that eat people. I know. And there's giant <laughs> anacondas. Yeah. There are snakes that shouldn't be there because people just leave them there. There are they so many big. reasons why I would not go. Alligators, pretty sure there's some kind of crocodiles out there. Uh-huh. And there's sharks, too. It's exotic. <laughs> cray. Bitches cray. So he began searching for a rental situation that didn't require him to give a ton of personal information because mm-hmm. he was trying to not send up any flags that he was around. This search led him to the house of Edward Szymanski, the father of Terry Szymanski, a commercial fisherman who had died by drowning in 1991. Ooh. It was, it's got a little bite to it, doesn't it? Oh, I was like, ooh to that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It was while he was renting a room in this house that he found a death certificate for Terry and came up with a plan to rebirth himself and get another fresh start. All right. When Terry died, he had left behind no wife or children. His father was the only family that lived in Florida. Everybody else in his family related him lived in Ohio. So, not a ton of strings attached to this person. Richard used the information from the death certificate to get a copy of Terry Szymanski's birth certificate. He then used that birth certificate to get a driver's license in the state of Alabama under the name of Terry. He then used the Alabama license to get a Florida license and just kept working just slowly and methodically until he had all the pieces of paper that would open doors for his new life. Richard was establishing this life and eventually moved to Zephyr Hills where he met a woman named Mary, whom he would eventually marry and start a whole new life with as he do. During the next 20 years, the man who now called himself Terry would build another bomb-ass life, because apparently that's what he does. Why not? He and Mary had a son together. They bought and sold houses, had several rental properties that contributed largely to their own income, and then Mary was also an heiress. Mm. So she had dollars. Richard obtained his pilot's license and even bought his own plane for recreational use. Their life wasn't without its own bumps in the road in regards to, quote-unquote, Terry's life and his paperwork and stuff. But Mm -hmm. 
he always had an answer anytime things didn't seem to line up exactly right, so Mary just never read too much into it. Things were going just totally fine for them until Terry Szymanski, I mean the real Terry Szymanski's nephew, began to be interested in his family's ancestry. He was looking at deceased members of the family when he realized that his uncle Terry had gotten married. His uncle Terry, who they'd buried years before that wedding was supposed to have taken place. This discovery prompted the family to contact police to look into what could be going on. Was it just an error in paperwork or something more shady? It was because of this question that one afternoon in July of 2016, Richard drove home to see a police officer sitting in his driveway. Yikes. Yep. This officer was Detective Cardillo, who asked Richard who he was and what his date of birth was. At first, he responded with the information identifying him as Terry Szymanski. The detective asked again, and Richard responded with the same information. The detective then produced a copy of Terry Szymanski's death certificate and asked the question for a third time. It was then that Richard knew his game was over. Richard Hoagland was arrested for stealing the identity of Terry Szymanski, which completely shattered the life of his new family. News that Richard was alive and that he had completely started over and led this whole new life with a new family was shocking to his first family. Yeah. Um, his sons had a lot of problems. Actually, one of his sons was in jail on drug charges at the time all of this information came forward. In school, they had a lot of problems. They got bullied because they had been abandoned by their mm -hmm. dad. They were like, we basically just turned to drugs to try and, you know, cope and deal with it. Mary, the second wife, almost immediately filed for divorce from this man who she had been married to for decades now, but apparently did not know at all. Linda, his first wife, but technically second wife, anyways, <laughs> began looking into exactly how much she could sue him for, which, yeah. like, Sam... Even though Linda and her son suffered massive financial hardships due to the amount of money that Richard took when he left, like, they had to give up their cars, they were forced to move from their home, like, mm -hmm. all of the assets basically had to be liquidated because he was the sole provider. So, they got super fucked. Unfortunately, the statute of limitations for theft in Indiana is five years. Mm. So, Linda was only able to sue for back child support. Mary also sued him for child support, and all told, Richard Hoagland was ordered to pay more than $2 million in damages, as well as being sentenced to two years in prison for impersonating a dead person. He is out of jail now. Mm -hmm. He not paying no money. Mm -hmm. He declared bankruptcy, mm -hmm. and so both women are kind of like, we're never going to see any of that, but at least we got some sort of closure. We know what a piece of shit he is. And then he was able to keep up this whole yeah, double life. Like, he had this whole second life where he didn't tell his wife about anything. And he whole new name, whole new identity, everything. It was crazy. So that's the story of Richard Hoagland, a.k.a. Terry Szymanski, a.k.a. <laughs> giant piece of shit. All right. What a double life. Indeed. You ready to jump into mine? I'm so ready. I'm going to keep working on this drink. I have to take little sips because it is sour. See, I like sour, so. No, I love sour too, but it's like, you know how when you eat something sour and it like makes your tongue feel weird? Yes. That's, <laughs> that's my current battle. That is a dilemma. Well, we're going to jump into mine. Dorothy met David Russell Miller in Granada Hills in 1979 after being recently divorced with two young boys to raise in a salon to run. David explained how he too was recently divorced and had just moved to the valley from the Washington area where he worked government jobs, such as being an aide in the Nixon administration. Oh. Yes. Fancy. Yes. Within six months, the couple moved in together and later bought their first home together. However, they did not get married until 1985, where they drove to Las Vegas and were wed in a roadside chapel. OMG, living in sin. I would never do that for two and a half years. <laughs> Still doing it. Same. <laughs> 
David Miller specialized in representing the printing industry on state legislative issues as a Valley-based lobbyist. By 1987, his reputation landed him a job as a legislative aide to Assemblyman Tom McClintock. That is until six months later when McClintock fired David for unexplained absences and overall poor performance. It do be like that sometimes. Yeah. After this, though, David opened an office in the same building that housed the Granada Hills Chamber of Commerce titled David Miller and Associates. Oh, So he got fired and six months later opened up his own thing. Like, fuck you. David's firm expanded as he included developers as clients while civic activities had him involved in the chamber functions. Which, this is like a whole other world to me. But, yeah. David Miller served a term as president of the chamber and then as president of the United Chambers of Commerce, which is an umbrella organization for 20 valley chambers. Well, well, well. How prestigious. Very. Acquaintances of David's believed the man to be a name dropper who drove a Jaguar and enjoyed staying in first class hotels while traveling. Don't we all? I mean, sounds pretty sweet to me. Also, when taking a client to meals, David chose pricey restaurants and often picked up the tab at the end. And it was both clients and business acquaintances. Well, as you should. I mean, go ahead, buy me dinner. Yeah, sounds great. Oh no, <laughs> don't do that. Well, let me order one more drink. Right. <laughs> I will have the lobster and the steak. Thank you. But even with all of that, Dorothy Miller never attended any of David's business functions. Oh, fuck you. Okay, wait for this, though. This is... Okay. Okay. Mm, this Bringing is it chef's around. kiss. Double life. <laughs> this was because David's California life was a front. What? David told Dorothy that his real work was for the CIA. Yes. Oh my god. Tiffany's face. That's the face I meant when I was reading the article. I went, <gasps> <laughs> the scandal. It's like, all right, well, this is what I'm covering in this episode. Damn. So good. Since the day the couple met, David told his wife stories of the CIA. He claimed he helped retire people or help make people oh, no. disappear. He told her it was freelance work and that he was always involved in secret operations internationally, such as Cambodia, Vietnam, and even Central America, where he played a role in strategic planning for the Persian Gulf War. Wow. Yeah, so intense stuff. What a guy, that guy. For freelance work. Because that's what the CIA believes in, is just freelancers left and right. I see CIA, like, ads on Fiverr all the time. I feel like it's to be approached. Someone's got to, like, yeah, approach like you. Someone <laughs> preferably in a three-piece suit yeah. with a briefcase. Exactly. Plus or minus a fedora. But the briefcase is empty, all but one single business card. Exactly. <laughs> with no name, just And they, like, slowly pull in in their lap and turn to a very secret code. Yes. And is... open it for that one business card. <laughs> yes. Exactly that. Although embarrassed when Dorothy explains later. She did believe David's stories since there was evidence of him traveling abroad as he brought back souvenirs from foreign countries and calls that were put through by Spanish-speaking operators. I mean, also, when you meet someone, you are supposed to trust, especially when you are married, you know, you should trust your significant... Now, if Alex said he worked for the CIA, I'd be like, no, you don't, but that's okay. Okay, you're a fucking liar, but all right. (laughs) It's fine. Keep lying to me. I love it. She watched David use listening devices. <laughs> Keep lying to me. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, oh my gosh, what did you do in the CIA today? What today? <laughs> I would not mind. I could definitely live that life. Now, as long as he was going to work and making, like, actual money, but just told okay. me he was an agent, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Go for Whatever. it. I don't care. If it makes you happy, it makes me happy. So. <laughs> I support you. As long as we both, at the end of the day, know that I know that you're lying, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Dorothy watched David use listening devices on the phone and heard him recite long strings of code numbers from a black book he carried. David even told his stories of the CIA missions to a marriage council for two years while attempting to help his wife adjust to and deal with the high-pressure job he worked. He was committed as fuck to this lie. My god. One time, David returned home claiming he cut his leg that was caused by a grazed bullet. Oh, wow. That's intense. Yeah. I don't know how I get that cut in reality, but... (laughs) I'm just going to drink my drink. All of a sudden, though, in 1989, David told his wife he was closing the California office and selling their home due to security reasons. 
<laughs> I can't even say I have to stop face. reacting. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He moved her and her children to Orlando, Florida, where Dorothy worked at a local hair salon while her husband continued to travel, coming home for only a few days with international tales. Because he was still working his job, obviously. All right. Yeah. They just had to relocate their home base. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. There's security risks. People were getting too close. Absolutely, they were. <laughs> what Dorothy didn't know was that David never actually closed the California office or sold the house. David's business and civic activities continued, and while on one of his flights from Orlando, he met Jane Maggie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jane was divorced with a child, similar to Dorothy. According to Jane's friend, David whined and dined Jane, boasting about his work as an attorney being worth $4 million. OMG. Mm-hmm. David took Jane to expensive bed and breakfasts for weekends mm-hmm. and dinners at formal political functions. And Jane was buying gowns for such events that, you know, he was like her Prince Charming. He offered her a new Sugar life. Sugar daddy. I mean, also that too. <laughs> he had a type, though. A very obviously had a type, yeah. Different from Dorothy, Jane and David got married six weeks later on oh, no. February 16th in a Las Vegas chapel. So not too different. But so different the whole, uh, like the TikTok, oh no, oh no. That's <laughs> my favorite. That's what's in my brain right now. It's going to keep going, so just keep that in the Great. Yeah. After the marriage to Jane, David's financial problems quickly escalated, though. I'm sure they did. Yeah. David anticipated an increase in his company's business consultations with clients and recruited a former public affairs manager for the firm, even. That same public affairs manager explained David's anticipated boom went bust and that David counted on contracts coming in that simply didn't. Big oof. Mm-hmm. Older sources of revenue dried up as well, and David was facing severe financial problems by early 1991. A creditor loaned David $17,000, which David repaid in January with a check that bounced. He did it again, and it bounced. Another owner of a real estate agency loaned David $6,500, which David just failed to pay altogether. And David stopped paying some of his employees at his firm. Bye! Yeah. That happened to me one time. I think you probably remember that. I do. They were like, mm, here's a check. It might bounce though. So wait until Thursday to cash it. And I was like, I need to leave now. Bye. <laughs> here's my not even two weeks notice. Yeah. I'm going to just have to head out. Well, his business associates and creditors explained that at this time, David was difficult to contact. David alternated between stories of financial crisis or having been diagnosed with cancer. So, at that point, when someone's breaking down saying they've been diagnosed with cancer, do you really hound them for the money? You can't be a dick to someone with cancer. Exactly. That sounded terrible, but... I mean, you (laughs) can. It's true, though. True. Which is why David used it. Exactly. He knew what he was doing. (laughs) Exactly. With money not coming in, David officially closed his office on April 18th, I believe, of 1991. Mm -hmm. With foreclosure and liens for unpaid debts piling up, David and Jane Miller had to sign the Granada Hills House ownership over to a bail bondsman in May. So all of this was just spiraling out of control yeah. pretty quickly. That didn't stop David, though. David and Jane moved to Florida after... Hold on. <laughs> Across the street from his other family. Well, we'll get there. Sister wives. Here you go. You know what? Uh, after David received a job as an executive at Disney World. Fuck you! Well... He gave Jane a tour of his office. Did he really get a job as Disney World? I'm getting there. Okay. Next sentence. Sorry. He gave Jane a tour of his office, which had her picture displayed on his desk with his name plaque on the door. However, the office was actually just someone else's. It just just had. It happened like another guy that was named David Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Before David and Jane's move, though, he moved Dorothy to Bell Vernon, Pennsylvania, claiming he was required, it was required a security precaution again. God. Because well, he's still CIA agent, too. Well, family. at least he's uh, on the same coast now. Yes, that's true. Um, after the move, though, David stopped calling Dorothy every day, as well as his infrequent visits. The suspicion finally caused Dorothy to phone about her husband. Mm-hmm. She just had enough. She quickly found out that David was not an employee of the CIA. Next, she found out that David had been active in back in California mm-hmm. from the Chamber of Commerce officials back in the Valley. However, they also informed her of his recent marriage to Jane, 
To which Dorothy says, well, that's funny because I'm his wife, but no one knew of Dorothy. Right, because she never showed up to anything. Never showed up. He didn't have pictures of her, the yeah. family, nothing. So they just thought this was a crazy person. Damn. When David finally did call Dorothy by midsummer that year, which I'm pretty sure is 1991 mm-hmm. still, she confronted him and he admitted his recent marriage to Jane. Dorothy cut off all communication with David immediately and asked the police at Bell Vernon to investigate David. Yeah. Meanwhile... David had taken Jane and her parents to Europe in June, despite the financial burdens he was Damn. facing. Damn! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for like a month. That's <laughs> what I read. All right. Hi, David. My name is Tiffany. <laughs> I would like to go to Europe. A former Commerce president ran into David in the lobby of a hotel in Rome on June 6th. David told his friend he was there representing the Kuwait government resolving issues from the Persian Gulf War. So we're back to that. Okay, then. Yeah. However, the marriage between Jane and David began to fall apart. You don't say. Yeah. In fact, the couple separated after repeated fights resulting in restraining orders. Jane said in the court documents that David had repeatedly threatened to kill her. Jane eventually hired a private detective, Bob Brown, which is like the perfect private detector name I've ever heard. Yeah, I like it. To make inquiries regarding her husband's suspicious dealings and debts. After Brown made routine computer checks, He found David's marriage to Dorothy without ever finding a document stating their divorce. Big oof. Yep. Well, Jane reached out to Dorothy by using the PI's information. Jane and, like, told, like, they had a whole conversation. They were cool with it. Like, they were both pissed at this guy. As they should. Yeah, and Jane told Dorothy that she planned to confront their shared husband and expose him to the media for the high-profile bigamist he was. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what that was going to do exactly, because he wasn't actually this, like... But if he's a CIA agent... Well, Jane doesn't know that. Right. That was a story for Dorothy. Right. But he did tell Jane that he was worth, like, $4 million. Right. So it would be a scandal, nonetheless. However, multiple people warned Jane against the idea, but on September 15th, Jane called her husband and asked him to pick up his things from her storage locker. Bob Brown believes Jane had planned on emptying David's belongings from the storage and leaving before he had arrived. Instead, David arrived while Jane was still there. Big oof. So the couple began arguing about uh, Dorothy and David hit Jane in the face. Mm -hmm. At that point, Jane said she was going to call the police while walking to her car. David walked to his, grabbed a handgun. Oh, fuck. David then walked up to Jane's car and shot her six times through the driver's side window and I believe two more times through the passenger side. Well, the two cab drivers David had called earlier to assist in the removal of his property witnessed the shooting. This man has the big dumb. Mm-hmm. They attempted to help Jane, but she was dead. Right. So they then held David at the scene until police arrived. Nice. Good job, cab drivers. Yeah. David left Dorothy uh, Miller with thousands of dollars in credit card bills, causing Dorothy to declare bankruptcy and live off of Pennsylvania welfare. I think like 8000 of it was also what David used to woo Jane with, which... What a piece of shit! What a bitter pill to swallow. Dorothy does speak with Jane's father, Richard Liebrick, weekly. As for David Miller, he is serving a life term for the murder of Jane Maggie. Deadly Pretender by Karen Kingsbury features this double life tale as does an oxygen series, A Lie to Die For, with season one, episode eight, Mr. Right is Deadly Wrong. Okay, then. So that is David Russell Miller. All right. (laughs) Wild tale. He was doing the damn thing. (laughs) An agent, a... Secret agent man. Attorney with four million. He also told, like, other, like, business acquaintances he was an attorney. This bit. His own father even thought that he was a lawyer, like, a practicing lawyer. But when you, they went and Sir. tried to search for any kind of test, he wasn't. Right. He never sat for the bar. He did not. No. Oh God. He did not. Fucking men. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. A lot of these people that we cover are men. Yeah. And that's because men. They just want all the wives. I love men. Don't get me wrong. I mean, well. Some of y'all are dicks and real dumb and statistically more dumb than women are in these cases. Anyways. Yeah, that's fucking wild, dude. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't even. I am. 
read it and how dare you bring Disney into your lies, sir? The fact, like, how did he get her picture on on that desk? I mean, he before that a, tour, he slipped a cleaning person a twenty. I, I don't know. It just I don't know, dude. How did he afford all those flights? That's what I want to know. Imagine how many miles he had. That's probably how he was doing it. <laughs> there you go. After a certain point of paying for flights, you just get miles back and forth. Yeah. Cool. Craziness. That's fucking insane. Double lives are very interesting to me. Yeah. Weekly verdicts? Yes. You go first. Do you want me to go first? I'll go first because I actually have mine this week. Yes. I was kind of already telling you about it earlier. Yes. <laughs> um, there is a Hulu um, eight-episode documentary on what is called Skinwalker Ranch. And I highly anticipate an episode being on Skinwalker Ranch or <laughs> something having to do with Skinwalkers because I am fascinated, have been fascinated since I got on TikTok with Skinwalkers. And it is like... Reality meets documentary. It's really interesting because it has to do with aliens, but people are kind of crazy and out there, but they use scientific methods and theories to eliminate all other probable reasons why this phenomenon is happening out there. Dun, dun, dun. It's really interesting. I don't know why we're all spending our time watching Tiger King. Yeah. We should have been watching this. <laughs> I think. I like it. Yeah, it's... um. It's just, it's just been so good. I haven't finished it yet, so maybe I might change my mind once <laughs> I do. But episode seven is titled Surveillance, and the description is just surveillance. Oh. So. <laughs> like, That's intriguing. Yeah. What is your weekly verdict? Uh, my weekly verdict is my AirPods that I just oh, got. Yeah. I got my tax return back, and pretty much all of it went to bills. And, like, debts that I'm trying to pay off. Responsible. Uh, I, I thought so. Mm -hmm. But after being responsible, you have to treat yourself. Well, exactly. So, <laughs> I kept back. Um, it ended up being, because I have a membership at Costco. Mm -hmm. um, they were on sale at Costco for $109, I That's think. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. And it's, like, charging case and the whole setup and everything. Yeah. So, I just took basically $120 out of my tax refund to buy those because I'm starting to work out more. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I go to the gym and also like I'm, I'm just working out using machines and stuff. And I just fucking rip my earbuds out on accident all the goddamn time. Yeah. Or my phone drops and then it's hanging by my ear. No, I don't like that. And I hate it so much. And it has been such a struggle. Mm -hmm. And it was a struggle previously, like, before I broke my hand. Oh, yeah. But I was like, whatever. It's fine. I'll deal with it. And now, since breaking my hand and getting back in the gym, like, I'm running a lot. And I'm doing a lot more cardio because of, like, hand restrictions and stuff. So I was like, I need to not do this anymore, please. Yeah. So I got some AirPods and I feel like a grown up person now. I feel like an official adult. Yeah. I just steal Alex's earbuds. He wins from work. There you All go. the ones because I have Samsung or whatever. So yeah. He wins them. I'm like, okay, I'll just take those. Thank you. Yeah. Ian is <laughs> talking about getting like wireless, like he got new wireless headphones for the computer. Yeah. But he's talking about getting wireless earbuds for like going to the gym and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, I need these. So the story I wanted to tell you. Tell me this story, please. <laughs> okay. I forgot what made me think of it, but last night or early this morning, I don't know what time it was. I woke up to move in bed because, like, I don't stay asleep when I move when I shift. Yeah. And I'm a turner. So, like, I was aware what's happening. And I was kind of hot. But I touched the back of, like, my thigh or, like, my leg in general. And I hit Alex very mildly. Yeah. And he sleeps through everything. He shot up out of bed and goes, what kind of demonic? And then he, made, like, moved his hands like this. Uh -huh. and I was, like, convulsing? Because I was, like, maybe I was shaking when I stretched. Right. And he goes, no. And he lays back down. And he goes, plastic is this. And I was, like, you need to go <laughs> in the other room because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, oh, the talking. demon bullshit in his room. The thing is, Alex never remembers his dreams. Yeah. He has some wild dreams. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ian fucking sleep Jesus. talks all the time, and I love that shit. It's scary. I don't want to know. 
<laughs> what kind of demonic plastic no. is this? Like, Ian is the sweetest person when he's drunk to me. Yeah. Like, and he's also very sweet in his dreams, too. That's funny. So I'm like, aw, you care so much about me. I just worry that Alex doesn't remember his dreams because... They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't need to know. That's fair. <laughs> I don't need to be a part of that problem. Like, I don't actually care. Yeah, I, I literally was like, you need to go in the other room. And he goes, what? Why? <laughs> because you're retreating Because you're talking shit. about de- demonic shit, and I don't need that aura <laughs> around my bed. Exactly. Yeah, so that was... Fair enough. Fun last night. He's probably been possessed. <laughs> Get some holy water. <laughs> I'm gonna have to see see our bedroom. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. yeah. Alex is just annoying when he's drunk. If I am sober and he is drunk, I cannot stand him. I don't care how cute he is. Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> Ian does not get like hammered, hammered often. He has a very high alcohol tolerance. Mm-hmm. But when he does, I love it. He's just so nice. He's so sweet. Like, Alex is just so needy. He can't like, do anything. <laughs> like, Ian on the reg is not a mushy person. Like, he says nice oh, no. and sweet things to me and stuff. Yeah, you know, he's not a mushy no. person. <laughs> he is mushy when he's drunk with me, and yes. I love it. Yeah, no, Alex just irritates me. <laughs> I will let you know that, um, okay, so just so you guys can know the backstory here, if Lindsay leaves this in. Um, we're doing good times. There was like a few. Now it's like a couple months ago. We were over here drinking. Mm-hmm. I was driving us home. I think I don't. I don't know. I was driving us home. Whatever the situation was. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, wow, Alex is trash. We're gonna go now. Bye. Good luck, Lindsay. It's rude. Uh, Just rude. So we leave, and Alex is like in the shower or something. I don't know. Long story short, Alex texts Ian. Did you get sketty? Okay, so the, the story behind that also is that that wasn't Alex. That was me. But Alex was, you have to type sketty just like this. And he spells it out for me. But then he goes and says, sketty. Because he thought we were still there. Yes. We, he thought we were still at their house. And Lindsay had made spaghetti for him. I don't know. And he was very concerned that Ian didn't get sketty. And so, even though we weren't there, he texted Ian, did you get sketty? There were like, so, games that night? Yeah, and so, today, <laughs> or today, Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday, I made spaghetti, and I made, like, sauce from scratch. Yeah. And with, like, <laughs> mushrooms and onions and peppers. It was fucking great. And um, Ian came to eat. No, it was oh, great. Good. <laughs> spaghetti, I can do. It's, like. Oh, cr- right. I forgot you said that. Like, yeah. cream sauces yes. and stuff like that I struggle with. But yeah, Ian comes in and I'm like, did you get skeddy? <laughs> and he's like, yes, I got skeddy. So that's a joke in our house. And oh. Drunk Alex, did you get skeddy? I love Alex to pieces. <laughs> My God, he's an only child. And the neediness comes out when he's drunk. Does. That also, he likes to show off when other people are around because, like, that's something kids do when they're only children. Yeah. They're not fighting for attention uh-huh. constantly. And I just have to, like, remind him, like, yeah, there are kids I watch that want to show off because someone's new around, and that's... Like, me. yeah, I don't give a fuck, actually, <laughs> Alex. Yeah, he doesn't get mushy. I mean, he, he is mushy, but it's just, I find it so irritating. I was gonna say, in, in our relationships, like, <laughs> I think that's why we all get along so well, because, mm-hmm. like, Ian and I, like, in your relationships, like, I'm Alex, yes. and Ian is you. Yes. <laughs> And so it's, like, a similar dynamic. Like, when I hang out with you, it's kind of a similar dynamic to me hanging out with Ian. And (laughs) Alex and Ian is a similar dynamic to, like, me and Ian hanging out. And I think that's why we, like, all get along so well. (laughs) It's because, like, we're, like, female and male versions of each other. It's also really funny, too, because um, if you look at, like, astrology and stuff. So you're an earth sign. I'm a water sign. Yeah. We're, like compatible as fuck basically okay and alex is a fire sign Uh and i'm pretty sure ian is an air sign which they're also compatible as fuck yeah but also very chaotic at the same time (laughs) which tracks because it's not just like it's your sign but then it's like your actual like so tiffany's a capricorn and i'm a scorpio so like usually those get along pretty well and the Mm -hmm. same thing with like alex ian being their specific sign so i was like what is alex He's Sagittarius. Okay. And Ian is a Leo, so. So yeah. Alex is mostly going to be a serial killer since most of them are Sagittarius. It's true. You know, there's never been a Scorpio serial killer, I'm pretty sure. Um, there have been a couple Capricorns. 
It's mostly Sagittarius. But, but anyways. So, okay. Also, there's been this trend on TikTok that I don't know if you've seen any of these videos. They called out COVID being a Pisces. Oh. Okay. Because that's when... Right stuff. Hold on. I think it was Pisces because that's when the lockdown happened. And then Pisces responded by saying, fuck that, it's a Scorpio, because the first known case was fucking November 17th, and then a Scorpio responded and said, I mean, yeah, why wouldn't we do that? I was gonna say, <laughs> no, there was to something, be fair, though. <laughs> there was something I read the other day, and I think I might have already told you about this, but they were like, yeah, like, Scorpios and Capricorns are ba- basically the same, yes. but Scorpios are just hated, and Capricorns are like, wow, you're so organized. It's so stupid. <laughs> end of the day when I look at things, I'm like, oh my god. Everyone hates me because I'm a Scorpio. Which, like, there's so many things, like, with astrology that I'm like, I don't believe that. But then there's also so many things where I'm like, yep, that shit tracks. It's like, I sent her the Right, well, like, I sent her the pyramid the other day of a Capricorn's needs, and I guess I'll have to post it on our Instagram now. Ooh. Um, where it's like, and I was like, yep, that... That's a thing right there. It's really funny how some of it works out. But um, I was uh, looking at... um, Oh, it's... um, So, do you you know, like, you know love languages, right? Yes. So, what is your love language? (laughs) My love language is physical touch and words of affirmation. Okay. So, mine is is gift giving. That That is what I like to do. So, apparently, your trauma is the opposite of that you know your self-destructiveness is the opposite of that you want to know what's funny (laughs) gift giving is also ian's love language (laughs) yeah like that's what i do and i was like well that's the love language you give there's like the love language you give and then there's the love language that you receive yes and i'm like the love language that you give is gift giving Mm -hmm. um the love language that i receive is all of them <laughs> like all of them, I'm like, yes, I love that shit. So Alex is also gift giving, but and it doesn't really count for Alex because Alex has like next to no trauma. Yeah, but apparently, uh, your childhood trauma from like your early ages in like development yes. is what has created your love language. Great, so, I hate it. For example, let's say yours is physical touch. That's because you didn't get hugs uh, and kisses as a child. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When I was growing up, and... Which is totally fine. I right, which, like... Blown, I, when I was growing mind. up... I'm sorry, Mom. Please don't share this. Um, <laughs> when I was growing up, it's like, yeah. It was no physical touch with the opposite sex, because mm-hmm. that's wrong. Like, avoid all appearance of oh, evil. Oh, yes. There's whatever. Like another layer there. So there was that. But also, as a child, like, every night, it was like, you have to go say, like good night to my dad and it's like you have to give him a hug and a kiss every night Mm. whether or not you're pissed off at him oh so you had the office (laughs) like it doesn't fucking matter you still have to do the thing go through the motions whatever Mm -hmm. and before anybody gets weird like it was just like a kiss on the cheek like whatever you can but yeah i don't think there's anything wrong being little because like i right i watch kids that try to like kiss no. me on my right. mouth. I'm like, no. And that was until I was like 10 or 12, I think. And then at that point it was like, just make sure you tell him goodnight and like give him a hug. Yes. Um. So I think it was like a little bit of like a little column A, like not being allowed to interact with the opposite sex, yes. but also then being forced. Mm-hmm. Well, to apparently your self-destructive habits is the opposite of your love language. So mine is gift giving. Yep. Because growing up, I mean, like, I got stuff, but it wasn't, it's not like, it, it doesn't matter. The opposite of that is I like to spend a lot of money. When yes. I'm feeling bad about myself or low, I want to go spend money. Money yeah. that I don't have. <laughs> yeah. Mine. It really opened my eyes. Honestly, like, this is going to sound weird. Like, <laughs> like, my God, I need a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. now I have to think about this. Yeah, right? <laughs> Because then you're like, no, I just like to love people. Like, this is like, no, you don't. I don't think so. Well, maybe it is. Oh. Um, right? Words of affirmation. No, it's really not for me. I don't think it's true. Because, and I mean, you can probably attest to this because number one, we've lived together. But no, number two, we've known each other for years at this point. Words of affirmation. Like, I'm not really an angry person to people when I'm shitty. 
Oh God, no. Like <laughs> when I'm like, like you. when I'm like, I fucking hate you. Like I'll say that, but then I'm like to your face and I'm like, well, I just really feel like we disagree on that. Um, and then physical touch, I will avoid the fuck out of people. So I guess that's okay. I guess that's right. But I think my most destructive quality, like self-destructive is like, I don't know. So wait, so what's your, how do you receive love? I receive love in all of the ways. What's like your number? You have to have number one. The one that like, like, hits you the hardest. Like physical touch is my number one, I think. So yeah, then it's probably because of what you explained. Yeah. Because of that. Yay, but then, trauma! <laughs> but then I'd imagine you probably, yeah, you and, yeah, I've heard stories about you and Ian being mad at each other, and you definitely withhold. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna go to the shower for two hours now. I'll see you never. So, yeah, so the thing with physical touch, so. I guess that's true, fuck. Yeah, oh. you isolate. Yep, I do. Yeah, that's your most self-destructive tendencies, you isolate them. Damn. We all need therapy. <laughs> we all should just go to group therapy. I'm in therapy right now, Lindsay. You should bring up your therapist. I have, so I've had some family stuff going on. Like, I was in therapy when I left the cult because oh, obviously. I forgot you said you stopped. But then I stopped because yeah. she was like, it's good. And then I was like, cool, I'm going to go back. And then I had like two sessions with a therapist and she was like, no, I feel like you're in a good place. Yeah, blah, I remember blah. that. And I was like, cool. And then, like, two weeks after that, some family shit went Mm -hmm. down, and I was, like, having emotional breakdowns at work, so I'm back in therapy. There's nothing wrong. You're better than everyone else. Well, it's because I was like, I can't get through my workday without bawling my eyes out, so it's really out of necessity because I'm such a crier. Like, if I wasn't such a crier, I don't think I would be back in therapy. But because I am such a crier, I was like, I can't function as a human unless I get this fixed. So, yes, I am. (laughs) I'm going to just share that note when I uh, go to my next session. Yeah. So, um, it's really made me look at my family different, too. (laughs) So, Alex's love language is gift giving as well. Yes. Which is why we're super great together. Yes. Yeah. I would say his secondary is probably physical touch. Yeah. Because he's so fucking needy. Yes. But Alex was an only child. I don't yeah. think he's ever gone without. Yeah. Not really. So I don't know what his trauma is. <laughs> he's an enigma. He got tracks for Alex, honestly. Yeah. And so then I can't figure out how does he self-destruct. I don't think he does. <laughs> all right. Because he doesn't really spend a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, he does, but it's all on his credit card. But, yeah, but he has money to cover it like he's never been like oh i'm so broke like he's never been like that i don't i don't know i have so many like i want the phenomenon on skinwalker ranch all right (laughs) i want to know what it's like to be alex for like a week yeah he's living it (laughs) um i think like obviously ian's love language that he gives is gifts Mm -hmm. but his like love that he receives would be either acts of service or quality time 100%. I think it's probably acts of service like that's what he receives because he's so appreciative like I do a lot around the house mm-hmm. just because that's who I am as a person. I've heard him talk about it too like I when it's not say, even occurring. <laughs> yeah, he's super like that's probably like the other night he just came to me and he was like I just want you to know how much I appreciate the fact that you go through all the trouble of like planning dinners and making sure we have everything we need and then cooking the dinners. He's like, I just, he's like, you know. You see, your boyfriend acknowledges it. Mine buys me flowers from chocolate. (laughs) No. And like, because he knows I like words of affirmation. Damn. And he knows you like gifts and that's why they do this. (laughs) He randomly comes home and was like, the fuck is this? Yeah. They know what they're doing. Exactly. So yeah, I don't know I don't know Ian's trauma. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you can connect the dots to that and then how he would self-destruct based on the information I've given you. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. There's a whole I'll, if I can find the video, I'll send it to you so you can just watch it. Because yeah. they actually go through if it's this, then you do this. If I was it's this, say, you do this. If you can't, if you can find it, uh, send it to me or we can post it on our Instagram. Oh, yes. Perfect. Just so we can share yes. it with everybody. So they can know how they'll self-destruct. And also your trauma. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's my weekly verdict. <laughs> Acknowledging trauma. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, first responders unit? Yes. Cool. 
as I have alluded to, you can find us on Instagram at Luminol Cocktail Pod. I'm going to post that uh, Capricorn. We got a lot of things to post. Layers of needs, like our hierarchy of needs. I'll see if I can find one for Scorpios. <laughs> we have none. <laughs> uh, you're like, I don't need anything but myself, bitch. Um, that is a problem for Scorpios. Yes, I know. <laughs> That's why COVID exists. <laughs> uh, we'll see if we can find that video about your trauma. We'll link that too, or we'll share it on our Instagram. I really took a beautiful thing and made it quite ugly. It's like, ooh. I thought I loved people because I loved them this way. No. That moment not. of realization when yeah, so. you realize your childhood dictates everything about you as a human. It's fucking stupid. It's real dumb. This is why my kids are going to have no trauma. None. None at all. Not to okay. adults. Hold on. They have to have enough trauma to make them funny. Do you think a kid that Nina Ox would produce wouldn't be bullied by us to be funny? Well, there you go. See, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's childhood trauma. I don't know if that's trauma, though. Oh, no. It's drama. There Ooh, was one time no. when I was a kid. Let me tell you about my childhood trauma. <laughs> I got a lot of it. I got made fun of it. I was fine. That wasn't my no, trauma. No. <laughs> I got my mom would get really pissed at me sometimes or she would get pissed at my dad and instead she took it out on me because I could handle it. Quote, unquote. <laughs> okay. You text me later, you me leave that or keep that. I don't give a fuck. Okay. We've talked about it. She okay, and I good. have talked about it and we've both been to therapy, know, so we're good. I know Stephanie listens. Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, she used to get really upset and it was like getting upset at my dad and she would take it out on me and we've talked about it, whatever. Um, and she actually didn't realize it for a long time that it bothered me as much as it did Aww. because like... She got really pissed one night, and she just came and was, like, yelling at me and was like, you ruin everything. I remember you telling me this story. Like, the reason why everything goes wrong in our family can go back to you because you ruin everything. And then I was, there was a lot. And it (laughs) weighed on my mind for years. And then she would, like, tease about it. And she'd be like, oh, "Oh, you ruin everything. And I'm like, yeah, I ruin everything. This is great. Oh, no. And then I was like, when I was an adult and started going to therapy, I, like, talked to her about it. And I was like, listen, Mom. That has fucked me up for years. And now as an adult, I'm okay with it. But I think I ruined everything. And she was like, oh my God, I am so sorry, dude. She's like, I barely even remembered that whole, like, where it came from. She's like, I don't even remember where it came from. That's how, like, that's what bugs me the most about parents. They never remember where your trauma's coming from. It's like, what do you mean you don't remember? Like, I can literally remember, like, being in bed. And, like, she busted out my bedroom and was like, da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, cool, bye. See you in 20 years. I'm, um, (laughs) I'll show you some other videos on TikTok. I'm the oldest of three. And that means I've always been mom's helper. So yeah. if a parent came at me, I'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I'm no. equal. I am your support system, motherfucker. Yeah, so I shut that down pretty quick. But I was always told I was sensitive uh, and uh, kind of a failure mm-hmm. and uh, high maintenance. Nice. So those things have weighed on me. No, I was I was your typical middle child. Where it was like, you just fly under the radar. She did not. No, I just, I did the middle child thing because like my sister was like the oldest and she was the oldest girl. And then my brother was the only boy and he was the baby. Mm -hmm. And so like I had people on either side that would be like deserving of attention. And I was just like, I'm going to just read some books and hope this all works itself out. Okay, so, so back to first responders. Sorry, we first responders. Off track. Instagram at Luminol Cocktail Pod. Yes. Facebook, Luminol Cocktail Podcast. And then our website, which is luminolcocktail.com. And I fixed the blog post, so you should be able to see it on your mobile devices now. Woo! Yes. That's I exciting. Spent a lot of time trying to figure out why the fuck it wasn't there. Oh, geez. It's there now. Nice. So go read them. Be on the lookout. Go read this fucking blog post. <laughs> be on the lookout for our. Wave of Instagram content. Yes. If we can find that video, if I can find a Scorpio uh, hierarchy of needs, I'll go ahead and post the, post the Capricorn one right now. And then we'll be back next week to serve you guys another round of Luminol Cocktails. Bye.